It's Ask This Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ask Engineer, the longest running live engineering show in the known universe. Uh, not maybe in the multiverse, we don't know about the multiverse, maybe next episode of WandaVision we'll find out more about it. But meanwhile, uh, that's us. For the next hour we're going to take you through a tour through all of the latest news and products and videos and tutorials and updates for the maker and hacker, engineer and artist community. Uh, it's me, Lady Ada. I'm the engineer. Ding, ding. With me is Mr. Lady Ada on camera control. We got a jam-packed show, so let's jump right in. Mr. Lady Ada, what do we have for our audience tonight? All right, on tonight's show, just we'll remind everyone to not only stay safe, but we're shipping smart and safe. We'll talk about that and more. Our team thanks you. Here's some pre-COVID photos. Thanks for placing orders. It's what keeps this USA manufacturer... In business, your orders. That That's is right. the only thing that keeps us going. So thank you so much. Show and tell people around the world, showing and sharing the projects. Noah and Pedro were hosting the show and tell this week. Thank you, Noah and Pedro. Lady will talk about who was on the show and tell this week. And more. A little bit of time travel. Some Python and hardware news. Some main New York City factory footage. Some 3D printing. We got everyone's favorite segment, DigiKey and for present. INMPI. And then this week's INMPI is from Rada Power Solutions. We got some new products, we got a little bit of top secret, we'll answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord, where you can join all 27,000 of us over on Discord, the 24-7 hackerspace that's so cool and wholesome, you can uh, bring your kids over to it. All that and more on Ask an Engineer. Woohoo! Okay, first, um, some uh, logistic-y stuff and more. Um, Shipping start smart and safe. We had a weather delay last week because it was like one the of biggest the, snowstorm in like New York history for the last like twenty years. <laughs> well, I think it was since two thousand six or so. Yeah. So usually the way it works in New York, it's not just a snow day; it's the days after because everything kind of like gets delayed from inbound it, to outbound. It's almost like it gets piled up like a snowbank. It is still piled piled up outside. Um, so uh, we sent our team home early to make sure they didn't get stuck in any closures. There was. Uh, subway closures and transit closures in the areas. So we're uh, almost caught up, so thanks for your patience. Um, also, it's, you know, still COVID time, so everything is just slower than usual in general because um, that's how it is. That's how it's been. I don't know if you know what's going on the last year or so. Yeah. But, but we're catching up. Uh, yeah, I think we'll be caught up all together. So if you place, like, an expedited order, I think we're getting to those on our usual, like, almost instant shipping. And then we'll be uh, probably caught up on some of the older orders, uh, you know, postal and more. And then um, do expect there to be delays 
once it gets into the postal system. Um, I personally have packages from different vendors and all that that disappear for a while on postal and then reappear Bingo. later. Um, I have something from New Jersey that is in, taking like two weeks in limbo. Yeah. So New Jersey is kind of limbo. It's like a between yeah. hell and and earth and New York. Um, okay. So. Just, uh, just know that's what's going on. Yep. In case you're wondering. Okay. But we're still, we're still doing it, so place your orders. Yeah. Expedite, we'll get it out. All right. Um, when you place an order in the U.S. right now, we have the 100 days of masking. We have about 80 days left. We toss a free mask in your order for pretty much anything you order in the U.S. Um, and then we also have the freebies. That's right. Let me talk about the freebies? Yeah. Okay. Uh, top left corner, you got the Promo Proto half-sized breadboard. Uh, you get that free with your order, $99 or more. Uh, top right, there is uh, a whole pile of STEMA QT boards. We'll send you a STEMA QT board, a different one with each order if you make an account, because uh, we can keep track of which ones we've sent you. If uh, you don't make an account, we'll just send you a random one. We actually just added uh, two more boards into the mix, too. So, uh, you know, uh, keep collecting them all. People love these. They're very um, fun to add to projects, all sorts of sensors, accelerometers, uh, USB adapters, GPIO expanders, and more. Um, bottom left, uh, UPS ground, free shipping for orders of $199 or more in the continental US. And bottom right is a free circuit playground express when you order $299 or more. Uh, it's our all-in-one development platform that's great for learning Arduino or MakeCode, Code.org, uh, CS Discoveries, Rust, you name it, uh, lots of languages have been ported to it, so it's it's a perfect way to get kick in with electronics and uh, electronics and programming projects without any soldering required. Okay, well, those are all available now. Chantel, we do this every single week, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Next week we're back on the hosting schedule, but Lady Ada, who is on the show until this week, and what did they share? I'm glad you asked. Okay. Kicked it off with Kim from DigiKey with Kevin's assistant. Uh, she made a Valentine's Day bear with a Circuit Playground Express embedded inside of it, uh, running MakeCode. Uh, and it's got also monster mask eyes. And they use like, the anime eyes, so they like, looked really cool. Um, Jeff has been playing with Circuit Sculpture, um, like making circuitry out of like these brass rods, and like it's like 3D sculpture. So no more just like flat PCBs. Totally lame. We're like doing it, we're doing it cool. We're going 3D. Um, but not 3D printing, 3D soldering. Uh, Dan Halbert came by with his Pico pin hack that, uh, that everybody's digging. He, he printed out the pinout uh, page that we've got for the Pico and like magnified it like 55 times and then he just poked the Pico through it and uh, cut it out so he could get a little, like a little foldable paper reference. It's a cute idea. Um, Mark G made a, sorry, JP is uh, doing, uh, also showed off his Pico pin hack project. Uh, also is doing a, a series of robotics uh, quick bike tutorials on how to get uh, motors and servos and solenoids and steppers all working with your Pico using CircuitPython. We've got code, but maybe you just need a little bit of wiring help. We got gotcha. you. Uh, coming soon to the learning system. Mark G has a uh, logic analyzer um, project with the Pico. It seems like it was part of the one of the projects that was released uh, for the Pico, and he built it up. Uh, Timon... Uh, found a off-the-shelf RGB like beauty ring light and opened it up and surprise, surprise, it's got NeoPixels inside. So why not uh, hack it by inserting a Pico? So he, he plugged a Pico in and, uh, and is using that to control the light. It looks super cool. Um, pick one of these up from like, you know, AliExpress or something and you can, you can easily reprogram it with CircuitPython. 
Uh, and Etienne uh, is at a makerspace and they're making PPE. They were really inspired uh, by the face shield project that Adafruit did and other hacker and makerspaces did and showed off uh, their uh, you know, 3D printing, making, um, uh, manufacturing line that they're doing in this makerspace. So a lot of great stuff in uh, the show and tell. If there's another person on show and tell, at the end I might have missed it because I had to quickly come down here and get ready for show. Uh, so check out the show and tell uh, if I missed anybody. All right, it's part of our Adafruit live series of shows. If you're watching this right now, it's Ask an Engineer, 8 p.m. That's right. Show and tell is 7.30 p.m. That's what we were just talking about. And together, those are our shows that we do on Wednesday. Sunday, we do Desk of Lady Ada and a little bit of a recap for the week. You showed off... Um, those new little NeoPixly. Oh yeah, these things. are the uh, non. Uh, these are the pre-addressed addressable LEDs, which are like really cool and weird. So they're they're they work just like NeoPixels, but they're all connected on one bus. So they have individual addressing. And go watch the video because I talk all about it and I show it off. I even cut it in half and I show how both halves. Um, you know, they they still act the way they would if they were connected, which is like it's like the headless NeoPixel strip. All right, and then we had the great search. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with KJK. And that's where you show with capacitors, all these powers of engineering. Capacitors, capacitors. This is yeah. like this is like that scene. What was it like bomber? He said, "Developer, developer, developers." It's yeah. like that, but electronics. It's all capacitors, capacitors. What kind of capacitors do you want? How are you going to get them? Through hole electrolytic. SMT, why not use ceramic? Why not use tantalum? When, what, if, what, why? Capacitors. Everything you need to know about finding them and buying them and uh, my top tips for uh, when to use them and what kinds and when, what kind and when to use which kind, all on the great search. Yeah, we have a old uh, Sparky the Blue Smoke Monster video. Yeah. Puppet where he sings about capacitors. Tantalum capacitors definitely love Sparky. If you even slightly <laughs> mistreat a tantalum, up it goes. All right. And then um, part of the JP series of shows, uh, Tuesdays we have the product pick, Thursdays we have a show, and then we have Make Code Minute. So um, we're going to play these back to back. First is going to be the um, product pick of the week. This is the recap. It's a UV sensor. And we broadcast these live right inside the product page. There's a limited sale just for that product during just that time. So here's a recap, and then right afterwards, we're gonna play the latest Make Good Minute. See you on the other side. The product pick of the week this week is the LTR390. It is a UV and ambient light sensor. This is really useful for determining if it's safe to be outside in the sun for human skin. This is a little UV LED and I'm getting a read of about uh, 14, 15, 16. I'm gonna run right out my workshop real quick and hold this up to the sunlight. I think we've got direct sun right now. There's no clouds. 126 count of 95 is one index uh, level on the UV index. That should be a UV index 1.3. That is my product pick of the week. It's the LTR390 and it is a UV and ambient light sensor breakout board in STEMI QT format. For the Make Code Minute today, what I wanted to do was show you how inside of Make Code using just a very few blocks we can create an analog read for, in this case, a potentiometer 
which will map to the NeoPixels on the Circuit Playground Express. So first, here's the demo. I've got this little breakout board for a potentiometer. It's a standard, I believe, 10K pot. And you can see here, as I turn the knob, we get the same response as I turn that on the which NeoPixels are lit on, on that uh, Circuit Playground Express. So let's take a look at how, how is this done. It's actually so simple you may not even believe it. What you'll see here looking at make code is I decided to do this as, in as few blocks as I could think of doing it in. So I have one forever loop and it just repeats the code inside of there. I have one block that turns all the NeoPixels off, just sets them all to black. And then a moment later, it sets the pixel color at one NeoPixel to red. And the one that it does is based on this little block here, which is a map block, which remaps some values. So it remaps the zero to 1024, or roughly that, I've, I've fudged it a little bit, to the NeoPixels number nine, which is that top right one, to NeoPixel zero. So that's how I map that same direction of turn here to the uh, NeoPixels that are on Circuit Playground Express based on the knob. And uh, it repeats that forever, so it's very, very simple. We could do this other ways, but this way works really well. I think it's easy to understand, easy to explain. And this is the key block right here, this analog read pin A1. And that is the pin where I have the value of that potentiometer reading. It's acting as a voltage divider, so we get an analog value. And that is how you can map a potentiometer or other analog input on the Circuit Playground Express to the NeoPixel ring right inside of MakeCode. And that is your MakeCode Minute. All right, a little bit of time travel news. Uh, just two things this week. The first one is we'll be um, out of AdaBoxes before we ship in April, so do make sure to sign up, adabox.com. Uh, we only have a few slots left because uh, a lot of folks are still trying to figure out ways to uh, do fun stuff at home. AdaBox is a good way to do that, so that is something to check out now because there will not be any left in April, for sure. Uh, then the other thing we have is an update to our iOS AR app, and uh, Trevor did a, a quick video. Now, I'll say this in advance. Uh, his kid was sleeping, so he had to, like, quietly describe what's in the video. But I think it's very <laughs> ASMR. It's like, yeah. it's like this is, like, so, so relaxing. So, like, you want to go to sleep. Yeah, so I, I did it. I boosted up the audio so you can hear it, but in case you're wondering why it's a little bit of a whisper, uh, that's why. Um, so check it out. And the latest update is if you have a Pico and you have our AR app, you can see the pin. So take it away, Trev. With this new Adafruit AR update, using the Raspberry Pi Pico just got a bit easier to use. Now you can display an overlay of your pinouts for your Raspberry Pi Pico in augmented reality. Simply download Adafruit AR then scan your Raspberry Pi Pico using the board scanner. When it's time for you to start a new project, there's no need to remove your Raspberry Pi Pico from your breadboard. It is truly the perfect companion for your Raspberry Pi Pico. All right, next up, Python on hardware. Um, it's mostly... Pico, 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 it's, Pico, Pico, Pico. It's, <laughs> it's mostly people getting Picos and saying, I want to do projects on it and with it. What and kind then of projects? Putting CircuitPython Circuit Python on projects. it. Yeah, so um, that's kind of why we made CircuitPython. Like, 
what's cool is you have all these choices. You can write in C, you can do MicroPython, you can do CircuitPython. Um, but when folks want to do projects, um, one of the things, because we have a lot of guides and code and tutorials, mm -hmm. is they're using CircuitPython. Uh, so right. a few things that we covered. Um, there was um, good a lot of podcasts. And yeah, stuff. The, yeah, everyone's doing the, the, the podcast tours. Um, there was discussion with the designers of the RP2040 mm -hmm. chip designer folks um, over at the Raspberry Pi Foundation. So you can um, learn the history about it. Look at their desktops. Listen. Look at their desktops on their desktops. Yeah, so uh, I think it's Liam Fraser and a few others. And you can check that on the Raspberry Pi blog. Um, they also talk about, yeah, like how they went through this ARM process to get the the core of the chip and then add peripherals because they wanted to do the PIO stuff and like how do you merge that with the ARM Cortex yeah. core. So people were like, why didn't they go with RISC-V? I don't know, watch this video. Yeah, I think a lot of the hot take tweets that people, they should maybe just read some of these interviews or the videos. Yeah, or, or watch them, yeah. Yeah, because I, I think a lot of it is answered in these places. Like, oh, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Yeah. Um, I see that happen a lot in electronics where someone spends a huge amount of time on something. There's obviously design decisions, and they spend a lot of time on documentation say why they did something. But then nobody reads it. And then no <laughs> one reads it, and then people get discouraged, and they don't want to do hardware or software anymore. So um, this is pretty rare. You don't get to like see and hear interviews. This is quite rare. With, Look, I, I don't with know. other chip people who've worked on chips. Here's the deal: there are people at you know Microchip, Atmel, Nordic, you know ST that design the chip. I have no idea who they are. I will never talk to them. Like, yeah. they're they're hidden, right? And and good for them. They should hide because uh, like why answer people's questions if you don't have to? So I'm I'm really impressed. Most with... Most don't because they don't they don't want to deal with it. No, why deal with it? That's why it's so great yeah. that the Raspberry Pi folks, like, they all came out and they're like, here's what I worked on and talking about the process. Yeah. And, you know, it's actually kind of funny. They're, like, a little decompressing. They're, like, kind of doing therapy because it's been, like, a four-year-long project. Um, but now we, and we, you know, at the end, there's just, like, this chip, and it's, like, really small. But it took four years. Yeah. So, um, anyways, I think it's also going to change the way microcontroller makers have to compete because you yeah. can't just... You can't just hide behind a crummy data sheet and like endless, um, like weird app notes. App notes <laughs> or like, you Forums. know, there's there, well, there's a story behind a lot of these things. Yeah. And I think um, this changes. I like the openness. Yeah. Um, Amp Hour also has a podcast um, they could check out. Uh, the January 2021 uh, Melbourne MicroPython Meetup happened. So we usually post this up in our newsletter. Uh, Damien talks about the MicroPython port for the Raspberry Pi Pico. Yes. Um, we mentioned the uh, Adafruit AR overlay. This is really handy. Um, we're seeing kids, like a lot of kids have iPads. Uh, a lot of kids iPhones. have iPhones. Yeah, you have, you have to have a modern iPhone. And they're it's able... AR kit. Yeah, and they have a Pico. So they're able to look at all the, the pins and more. Um, every Friday, Scott has a deep dive. You can check out that one. Uh, the latest was the RP2040 audio and the DMA debugging. And then around the web, um, we've been collecting up um, all the examples we've seen of yeah, CircuitPython and Pico. And Game Duino Python Dazzler. And yeah. Uh, and then this is that Timon project with the LED beauty lamp, so it's a NeoPixel inside. Yeah. Um, this is a different, this is a not Pico project, like one way through. Uh, this is fun. Actually, people like this as a soil moisture indicator using off-the-shelf electronics, and it's cool because it's like, you know, existing code just worked. Uh, people got CircuitPython working with the display on, on the... Uh, 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 Pimeroni Explorer, 
Yeah. Uh, there's an NES emulator if you want to play with that. Uh, folks are doing HID and LEDs and, and NeoPixels. All stuff that we have working really well in CircuitPython. So cool stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's what we've been no other Python keeping news. track of. Um, the other thing I thought that was neat, uh, someone collected all the bitmap fonts you um, games and stuff. from Demoware. And then yeah. there's, there's a couple more examples where you can just like type into... A form, and then all the fonts come in. I think that'll be neat for like really small devices. Well, the project that we just did, Carter did for the CO2 um, display that we showed off last week. He didn't use a font because he had to have like the, the pixels look a certain way. So he actually made a sprite map font. Yeah. Um, so this would be the same technique. Would work really great. All right, we're up to 297 libraries. We'll be up to 300 pretty soon. Ooh. That's kind of exciting. And then, as usual, we have some of the upcoming events and more. Um, Open Hardware Summit is Lots in virtual, virtual mode. Virtual, virtual. Um, GeoPython, PyCon US, and more. You can check all this out on Adafruit Daily. I think it's the biggest Python on hardware newsletter um, out there. And uh, in case you're wondering, Python on hardware already happened. It's now getting distributed because okay. no, it is like this is something that we thought was going to happen yeah. a few years ago, and um, the fact that there's going to be millions of microcontrollers. Specifically, like if you add up the the, yeah. uh, the Pico, the RP twenty forty, and all the all variants, the ones, something, yeah. and then you add like the Nordic, and then you add the um, ESP thirty two S two, yeah, and then you add the um, Atmel microchip ones. I mean, we have what like two hundred, two hundred fifty boards. Yeah, I mean, so like, if you go to circuitpython.org, you can see yeah. the boards. Um, but it happened fast, or it happened incredibly slow, depending on if you're working on it. Like if we've yeah. done something, it's like, bye, this we've been working on it for years. But as far as um, what we've seen, and this is kind of neat from the newsletter, is new chip comes out, new board comes out, Pico, and then right away there's examples that you can literally cut and paste. Um, CircuitPython being one of the examples of, of yeah. the ease of doing this. And then I saw the things that people ask, what IDE? You don't need an IDE. You don't. When, when you use CircuitPython, for example, you don't need an IDE. You can use a text editor. You can use any IDE you want but you're not tied into an, ED, an IDE. And I think that's one of the things that I've been seeing in some of these interviews with folks. They're, they're, they really like the idea of a REPL, that they can do real-time stuff. Yeah. And they also really like not having to compile and then upload to a board. Like that, I, I keep saying it's amazing that MicroPython was a first-class development environment for this chip. Never happened before. This is the first chip where Python hardware is is the first class language of, of, of use. It's not like the quote unquote toy fun, like, ooh, weird hack. It's like, yeah. no, this is official. This is how they expect people to program this chip. Yeah. Very cool. So I think, you know, January was kind of a big month for a lot of this stuff. Like that's that's when I think the the, the next chapter really started. Like we yeah. were like whatever like the makers, hackers are doing like on the weekends, eventually it becomes mainstream and mainstream in this case is the Pi Foundation did a chip, and shipping on the chip is Python. Yeah. So, anyways, good stuff, and that is the Python hardware news for the week. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Blinka. Okay, we're an open source hardware company. Um, That's right. We have 2,417 guides. Lady Ada, what's on the big board um, this week? I'm glad you asked. Let me, let me look at them. Okay, so... Um, Last week we had that RGB matrix uh, portal gloom CO2 monitor and the cosplay floating, floating LED uh, fireballs. So it's a fun project from Aaron. And a uh, temperature and humidity sensor for um, uh, ESP Home and uh, Home Assistant. 
Uh, we also uh, released, I think this week, the Sincerion SHT40 guide. That's our new fourth generation temperature and humidity sensor. Uh, Noan Pedro made a uh, heart-shaped NeoPixel PCB, um, a great beginner project for people who want to do SMT soldering. Check that out. It's uh, milled on a, a Bantam machine, but uh, you can uh, probably just like um, send out those PCBs to Oshpark. I think they show how to do that as well. Um, we also have got uh, a guide for the new ISO uh, 1540, the bi-directional um, I2C isolator. It's a new product this week. And also the AW9523 GPIO expander and LED driver, also a new product this week, double new this week. And uh, Noam Pedro also did um, a fun uh, little 3D printed case and like Lego compatible mount for the Pico. Um, you know, you can use it as is, but it's meant so people who want to do projects that have a Pico inside of them can like easily take like the existing like overlay and like the mounting dots and everything and then expand um, to fit whatever uh, 3D printed project they want. But they have a couple examples. They've got like an enclosure with some buttons. They've got this Lego mount and they've got an open case. So uh, for all you Pico people who have a 3D printer, now's a good time to make projects that the Pico goes into. It's a great use of 3D printing. Yeah, just on a Lego note. So I think this is my request to the community. So I guess Lego is, they have a reputation of going after people for using the word Lego. Yeah. Cool. This actually just plug into Lego. Yeah, though. cool. Like, that's actually Lego. That, that's neat that they, that they that's, that's cool that they've earned that reputation, and maybe it's justified, maybe it's fair or not. But, you know, sometimes in the maker community, what happens is uh, everyone becomes a cop and says, you know, Lego, Lego. Yeah, don't snitch. It's like, you know what, <laughs> who cares, that's like... Who cares what Lego thinks? Like if they, if, so we, a long time ago, we had like Lego compatible on a product and they emailed us and uh, I sent it to our lawyer and they're like, oh, like just tell them we're going to put like Lego dash compatible or something. And they're like, okay. And then they went away. I think, yeah, we just had to add compatible. And, and it's one of those things where like, let's, yeah. let's continue to retain like the maker hackery punk. thing. Like, keep it like, yeah, like, okay, so maybe Lego is going to su sue people, but don't, like, every time you see something, because I see this all the time. Any, like, I, a, so, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of makers do Lego-compatible boards and stuff like that, and all the comments are like, you know, Lego, they're going <laughs> to sue you. It's like, well, like, okay, maybe, but, like, don't, don't ruin the comments everywhere about Lego and their, their reputation with that. Like, why can't, why, they're not paying you to intimidate people. We should go to YouTube and, like, all the people who post, like, video clips of movies, go there and comment about how those videos are, yeah. like, illegal. Yeah, so go, anyways. Go, go this there. Is, this, is my, this is my request. <laughs> if you, you want to be, like, a little, little cop. This is my request in the maker market, in the electronics market, is, like, yeah. specifically, like, I'm not even being general. I'm saying. No, just, just for, like. I'm saying. Okay, if you see an, a, a maker doing a cool project with Legos, with Lego? don't say, common. don't say, hey, you know, hey, you know, you're gonna get sued and die alone, penniless. <laughs> like, like it's so discouraging every time. What's the point? And yeah. um, and so, well, just people wanted to, they just want attention. Well, if your only form of participation is being Snarkin. being uh, mean on Twitter towards other people's projects, like you see something like a cool Lego thing, yeah. and what's your first what's impulse? Your first impulse? <laughs> I know. Let, let me re, let me remind you because like I don't I'm like are you like some I, type of, I know you were having some moment of joy I know you're having fun but I'm taking that away I know you're having fun and I'm not a police officer but I would like to be one that enforces Lego yeah like some like weird minifig Lego cop is it the Lego Hitler youth well <laughs> it's just it's just like I 
It's specifically for Lego. And so I've been been part of Make. I started I started Hackaday. I know this has been like I started Hackaday. And it's like, why are you doing Lego's but, intimidation? Do you get are these like You're not being paid. You like, get nothing out of it. Yeah, you're they're like they're paid to go town to town and rough up people using Legos. <laughs> What's funny mm. is Lego isn't even the worst. Velcro is way, way worse. But, like, you don't see anybody doing it for, for Velcro because Velcro doesn't have, like, minifigs based off of your favorite Batman character. Yeah. But Velcro, but, by the way, they're way more intense about this shit. So, like, don't call anything Velcro. So, yeah, I mean, I think Lego... Um, <laughs> I think Lego has an unpaid... <laughs> 30 more minutes, everybody. I'm not moving on from this. This is the this is this is the Lego show. So everybody's just like, you can't go the Lego show. It's the Lego compatible show. This is the Lego show, all about Legos. No, and I think that the problem is people fall people fall into this trap where their only form of participation is now intimidating others because they see something with Lego. You gotta, you, like, you gotta get off of it. Yeah, and if you see someone, on. if you see someone doing that, just say like, "Hey, like, let's at least say cool project," and then like maybe wait a day or like something else, and then say, "Well, by the way, you know, like, but it's just this unpaid <laughs> vigilante Lego militia. Like, when did people become like trademark? Like, I'm a, I want to, I want to want to be trademark. But lawyer. just for Lego. Just for Lego. <laughs> it's just for Lego. And it's never ending. Yeah, it fucks him up. It's never ending. And I've seen, and again, I started Hackaday, Zip Make, been, I have like a billion blog posts, and like I just see it, it's, it's unending. And like we can't let children grow up to be Lego, Lego enforcers. Mafia. <laughs> we can't. We can't. We have to stop it. Yeah. All right. Anyway, some main New York City factory footage. Okay. <laughs>
All right, and then here's some stills of... Uh, this is like a tester for some OLEDs. Oh, we recently... This is pretty cool, actually. We um, updated our Bluefruit testers. Uh, this is NR51-based testers to be programmed from a Metro. Uh, it used to be that I had to use a J-Link and a Raspberry Pi, which was, like, really clunky and kind of expensive. But then we ha added, um, like, SWD DAP support for the NR51 um, in our Arduino library, and so I can use an Arduino to program an NRF51, which is awesome. You got this uh, thermal image of this That's actually tester. a Lego, by the way. <laughs> I moved on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're over it. All right, and then uh, wouldn't be main New York City factory footage without, um, here's some more stormy winter stuff going on. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, across the street, they're digging out of the... Um, Giant amount of snow that just dumped into. Well, there's still a lot of snow. The Disney building. Well, we got another street. like, but you know, we got another like four inches. Yeah, this might, week too. Apparently, it might snow a couple inches tonight. Again, it's a very snowy winter. Usually, we don't get that much snow. Anymore. Yeah, well, it was. It seems to lately, there's like a four-year gap between accumulation of uh, yeah. of snow in New York. Um, I don't know about weather patterns enough to to know if that's that's normal or how it works with historical snowfall but that is what it's across the street okay mm -hmm. 3d printing no pager have um oh Did you know go. yeah um wait what's up well it's that we have that video about oh, the lego shit. video and then um and <laughs> then, right, the and then speed we have up. 10 minutes I'm not <laughs> yeah um but you know someone in the in the chat also said so see i didn't i, I i'm not the first one to to like as soon as i say it everyone's like Oh, yeah, there's all those people who constantly correct me on how I, like, you know, it's all caps and I have to put a registered thing. And it's, like, forums where people are, like, you know. It's, like, super Lego police. And, like, you can't say Legos. They're, like, the plural is Lego. Which, which makes me just want to type in Legos. But it isn't, it isn't people who work at Lego. It isn't. It's, no. It's people who, that's their form of participation. They're um, very passionate. But not about other things. Just that. Yeah. That's their jam. What'd you do today, Bob? Enforced Lego branding. Yeah. yeah. Do you get like points for that? Do you get to like go to? The, do you get a, a Lego? Do you get free Legos? <laughs> yeah. Do you get like an all-you-can-eat like Lego bucket at the Lego <laughs> store? They're like, thanks for your good work, turning in your fellow citizens. So here's a video. Hey, what's up, folks? In this project, we're 3D printing parts for the new Raspberry Pi Pico. We designed these enclosures and Lego-compatible plates for making fun 3D printed projects. The Raspberry Pi Pico features the new RP2040 chip with CircuitPython support. It's got tons of GPIO pins, so it's great for projects that need lots of inputs at a very low cost. Our LEGO compatible mount features studs that fit standard bricks or base plates. It features built-in standoffs, so you can snap fit the Raspberry Pi Pico right on top. To install CircuitPython, start by holding down the boot select button while plugging in USB. This puts the Pico in bootloader mode, which gets it ready for installing CircuitPython. Head over to circuitpython.org, click on the Downloads tab, and search for the Raspberry Pi Pico. Click the Download button to get the latest version of CircuitPython. Then you can simply drag and drop the UF2 file onto the Pico's USB drive. The board will then flash the new firmware. Once it's copied over, you can unplug and reconnect to load the CircuitPython USB drive. Now you can easily drag and drop your code and library files. Using your favorite code editor, you can make quick edits to iterate your projects so there's no need to compile and upload code. Our 3D printed case features two switches. 
These can be used for projects that need user buttons or a reset button. The switches can press fit into the holes that are on the side of the case. We used Molex Pico blade connectors to make it easier to plug in the buttons to the Raspberry Pi Pico. To make this a portable project, we added a small LiPo battery and a slide switch. We also added two NeoPixel sticks and fitted them on top. The enclosure has a built-in holder for the slide switch. To install the switch, you can press fit it at an angle. The standoffs feature M2 size pegs that press fit into the mounting holes. The Pico blade connectors are small enough to wedge in between the sides of the case. We 3D printed the top cover in white filament so the light from the NeoPixels are nicely diffused. We also designed and 3D printed LEGO compatible clips for flexible NeoPixel strips. We hope this inspires you to try out CircuitPython on the new Raspberry Pi Pico. Thanks so much for watching and don't forget to subscribe for more projects from Adafruit. Okay, and 3D Hangouts are every single Wednesday, and you can learn how to print all these uh, Lego-compatible things and more. All right, okay. it's time. DigiKey and Adafruit present... All right, this week is from Murata Power Solutions, Lady Ada. Yes, what is Murata. Okay, the product of the week? I'm going to take you on a journey. This is going to be a great INPI. You're going to learn all sorts of stuff that you didn't expect uh, to learn about. So this week's INPI is for the MHM series of ionizer modules from Murata. Uh, these are chassis mount ionizers and ozone generators. Um, okay, so this is what it looks like. Uh, it basically it's got this little, the blue thing is like the actual like ionizer I guess it's got like some ceramic or something that will actually generate the ions and then the PCB you know this the high voltage PCB it's got uh, you know a high voltage power supply with it looks like um, I guess flyback transformer and all the all the control circuitry um, to, to generate it and you basically just plug in 12 volts and like boom uh, you get ions out which is awesome this is part of the Ionissimo, which sounds like a character in, in some cool opera that um, really likes capacitors, maybe. Um, and uh, basically, they have ionizers and ozonizers. Uh, we're going to talk about the ionizer, but this is part of the, They have a series of boards, and they all look, uh, as you see, kind of similar. Um, so the MHM series, uh, they've got these really lovely data sheets. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, here's the thing. It's actually kind of easy to use. You just plug in the power. Um, there's a monitoring pin as well if you need like a feedback loop to make sure it's on and the high voltage is being generated. Um, and uh, you get about 5 uh, million ions per cubic centimeter, uh, typical. Uh, and you have um, ozone and it's either like 0.6 milligram um, or like 
0.16. There's also one that does negative ion, one does positive ions. There's three, there's three different ones in this series. And so um, you'll like, they all look identical. So to really tell which one you have, be sure to open up the data sheet and then look at the negative ion amount and the ozone amount, because that's what's going to vary. Even though um, mechanically they are um, like the same size. Um, okay, so yeah, usage is really easy. Uh, there's a V monitoring pin, uh, gives you 2.5 volts out and lets you know that it's, you know, the high voltage is being generated because it is high voltage. It's like 200 volts or something, or who knows what, like some, some very high amount. It says, there's a fuse here that says 250 volt, one amp. So I'm assuming it's, it's about that high. Um, but that's, that's the dangerous part. So just don't uh, touch the bottom um, and, uh, you know, keep the high voltage part away from uh, your chassis and of course uh, earth ground your chassis if you want to use this. Um, what I thought was interesting is there uh, they released a few months ago a press release about using these ionizer modules um, to deactivate uh, SARS-CoV-2 uh, otherwise known as the coronavirus um, and um, it's a, it was a scientific experiment. It was a, you know, a lab-based experiment that they worked with a um, university to do. So they have the, some papers with graphs showing how you know, the purple is the control. And then if you have um, a lot of ozone, um, it will uh, deactivate the virus. I guess this is like a, a well-known thing. Ionizers tend to be used for like air freshening, uh, uh, static removal, um, you know, disinfection and stuff. So they just sort of showed like, yes, the, you know, in a lab, uh, the you know, COVID virus gets deactivated when you blast with ozone. Now, how this actually applies to real life, you know, would you use this to maybe make like a, a, a mask uh, a sanitizer? Um, you'll have to do your own experiments to, you know, make sure that what you're doing, what you're using this ionizer for is actually doing what you expect. Um, so I, just, I would like to keep, make sure people keep that in mind that this is just a lab study. It wasn't a, like, in real reality, like, you know, everyday use study, which is, can be different. Um, that said, for scientists and engineers who want to like generate a bunch of ions or ozone, this is like the cheapest way to do it. Like compared to the other modules, this is like, you know, a half or 10th of the price of other ionizer modules. It's really easy to use. It's really cheap. So like definitely scientists and engineers who want to get some ions going, positive or negative, this is your jam. Okay. So now I went to the Marauder website. You're like, why? What's this comic book? I go to the Marauder website and I click about the company because I, I usually read a little bit about the company. And they've got this awesome manga that they wrote. Um, and it's available in Japanese, English, and uh, Mandarin. Um, and it tells you, like, the history of the company and, like, the ceramic capacitors that they made and, like, how this guy invented them by going to university and studying really hard. And it's like, it's a look. There's like ceramic capacitors with like manga lines on them. Uh, how can you not love it? Uh, check out this um, this comic book. It's free off the the Murata website. Uh, I thought that was just charming. Uh, I, way better than like a, a boring PowerPoint for sure. Um, it's better than one of the Justice League there. Right? Yeah, it's true. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna get the Zack Snyder cut of the uh, Murata capacitor manga soon. Um, next up, uh, they also were one of the companies. This is like. Phil, you talked to me about this, like, you know, 10-ish years ago, a lot of Japanese companies started making their own robots. Um, yeah. So they made a robot, and their robot was, like, a humanoid that would ride a bicycle. This isn't actually that tall. I think this is, like, maybe, like, a foot tall, so it's not, like, human size. But um, it used Murata sensors and, and, you know, wireless modules and motor controllers uh, to make, like, a little robot that could um, ride a bicycle back and forth. And here's another cool thing. It can balance on the bicycle, so it's, like, not moving here. And it can balance like side to side, which is like pretty yeah. impressive. Um, check out the video. Yeah, there was um, Sony that had Curio, and then um, Honda had Asimov, 
And um, then there was a whole slew of others, and it was this humanoid robot race to figure out who could have, like, kind of the most interesting demo. And then Festo came along, and they had these more organic ones. And you haven't really seen it. It was, like, a, a humanoid robotic competition worldwide, unsaid. And then later on, um, with Big Dog and, like, Atlas... You've seen some of those as well. Yeah, and this is just showing you they have a they have some uh, tutorials on on how it works too. So they're inside. There's like a flywheel, and the flywheel um, helps it retain its balance. It's look, it's not easy to make a balancing ball like, like this. So I'm impressed that they did it. And um, yeah, they they have a couple of videos about uh, Murata Boy. And then if you're wondering, well, what about Murata Girl? We got gotcha. you. There's also a unicycle uh, balancing robot. Same deal. It can balance on a single um, wheel. And it even has a uh, whole history, including a zodiac sign. I'm kind of surprised that there is no, uh, like, you know, like blood type or whatever, I guess, a backstory. But um, so check out these two robots. Uh, what I just thought is cool is that um, these are friendly, happy robots. These are robots that like to ride bicycles uh, and, and have fun. They are uh, not robot enemies. They are robot friends. So I'm... Uh, I'm always a fan of that. So I, I thought that was cool, too. So check well, this out. Digi-key. But back to the ionizer. So you can pick these up from DigiKey. Again, there are three different kinds. Um, one is, like, positive high ozone. One is negative low ozone. There's a couple different kinds used for different purposes. Um, so, uh, you know, check out the data sheets to compare them. Uh, also, check out the Ionissimo page on the Marauder website. Uh, there's also DigiKey has a little uh, video um, we're not going to show that video. There's a different video that DigiKey has about these, um, so you can watch that as well. And for like 30 bucks, you can have an ironizer tomorrow morning. Yeah. Chart URL code is digikey.com forward slash chart 433FP7, and the code is 490-14-864-ND. Yeah, let's and go to the overhead real fast, and then we'll sure. go watch the video. So I can just, I'll just show yeah, it. Yeah, the video doesn't have any sound, so you're going to have to t- talk over it anyways. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah, it has, like, text. Um, okay, so this is just the ionizer module. Uh, you know, I plugged it in, but, like, you don't, you can't see anything. It just, you if you smell it, you're like, oh, that smells like ionize ozone-y. Um, but power is here. You connect a JST uh, connector here, and I have the part number um, in the blog post. Um, it's also in the data sheet. And then this is a high voltage section, so yeah, do not touch this part. Uh, you would want to, you know, mount this um, off of your board. And then green, I believe, is earth ground uh, connected to this ground. And then this is the high voltage pin. And then um, inside here, you know what? Actually, maybe I'll try to open this. I didn't think of that. But there is this little protector. And I guess you know, I, I didn't quite read about this, but there's like a little wire. And I guess this is what the ions are flying off of. This little piece of metal here. There's like a very, very thin piece of metal. And then there's this, uh, I guess, a ceramic isolator or something. So um, interesting stuff. Uh, but yeah, for 30 bucks, it's like, have your own ion generator. Why not? All right, so let's check out the video. Yeah, you might have to do a little narration. Yeah. There's... All right, Murata, innovator, electronics. So yeah, they're, they basically released these, you know, they released these before uh, COVID came about. So they weren't originally uh, designing these for... Um, use with like viral deactivation. It was initially for like anti-static usage or for, um, I guess they're, they're used for anti-static usage in uh, uh, dryers, which is kind of a cool idea. Uh, you say blast ions or ozone in. And um, they have the ionizer and they have ozonizers. So check out the ozonizer if you ever need those. We just talked about the ionizer. Oh yeah, for 4.3 kilovolts. Sorry, did I say 250 volt? I meant 4.3 kilovolt. 
So yeah, definitely don't touch it. Um, yeah, and they're often used, I, I see them also in, um, people have like portable air fresheners. Um, they're used as well. Or like, you know, if you have smoke, um, like things, that you, if you smoke, you have one of these and it removes the, the smoke from the air. So that's what these, these uh, ionizers and ozonizers are good for. All right, and that is this week's all right um you know one of the things that if you don't have discord going during our shows you don't get to see a lot of the cool back channel stuff is it all about lego (laughs) no everyone's moved on from lego okay that's that's the before time yeah um but um because we um uh blog quite a bit and like to have like memorable things in electronic history. So when we wrote about AVR freaks going away, I did a whole post about that in 2017 and that community like really didn't want any newcomers. And so, um, we had this like story about AVR freaks. Yeah. Um, some of the things that they had and they had AVR man talk about posted that up. He's like, Hey, remember AVR man? I'm like, yeah. In fact, we made, Sam. Sam, yeah, and Sam was it, going to be the first female, um, like engineering hero or whatever. Yeah, completely shot down by Atmel. Oh, they totally hated it. Ain't, ain't, ain't no women in electronics, and so um, they were like, "Well, they were like, well, we can't have." It, it, it was bad because we said, "Oh, and none of those people are around anymore." So we I, said, yeah, I can totally say yeah. it. So we, we were like, "Well, you know, Sam, she's like four times better than AVR yeah. Man because AVR Man's eight bit and she's thirty two bit." And uh, they're like, well, you can't, like, compare them. Because, like, the 8-bit guy got, like, really offended. Because he's like, well, you yeah. can't, like, no, like you can't make it so that there's a better character than AVR Man. AVR Man yeah. has to be the best. So, anyways, so check, check out, out Discord. It's on, the, it's on the blog, too. And it's on our blog. Yeah. And you can, and uh, it's neat And the because, company doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. And it's neat because you can see that there's, there's a lot of people that are always trying to have change happen in our industry. And the stakeholders don't want that. They, they, and this goes back to the Raspberry Pi Pico. It goes back to lots of things where when there's something new and interesting and a whole bunch of different people are coming in, there's a bunch of people who do not want that at all whatsoever. And oh, so, yeah. so check out the story about AVR Freaks on our blog. Um, I'll, uh, it's in the chat. Yeah. Um, yeah, Todd's like, yeah, Sam would have been awesome. And Sam chips are better than... You know, AVR. Like, it would have been a, such a good idea. Well, I was like, look, like, you could say she's, like, four times faster. Like, is there anything? Yeah. Uh, but they were, like, just super not into it. You want to grab the AVR? Oh, yeah, yeah you have just, that. And just to Why show, do you have that? And just to show I'm not messing around. I didn't even know. I, I didn't even know Tom. We didn't predict this. I didn't even know Tom, Tom I was going to talk about this. But, like, I have the figure. I have this. I don't even know. Like, where would you even find these anymore? Um... We were serious. We're like, this is this is something. We weren't we weren't dunking on AVR man. We just said there was it's time for Sam. So anyway, it's definitely Sam time. This freak. I've had the action figures. This was expensive. Um, and uh, did they yeah. send this to us? Or what, how did we get at, this? At Mel, um, I believe I got this at a Maker Fair. Yeah. So I wasn't kidding around. What is it in the back here? Superheroes before I marry you. Yeah. All right. So. Well, uh, the evil uh, Dr. Microchip uh, took over his lab and absorbed him. So, <laughs> so that's that. Yeah. Let me, um, and just, just because I have to now follow up on this story completely, um, 
if you search for AVR Man Adafruit Sam, you'll be able to um, see what where I was just talking about. And so okay. there's no, they're, they're Sam. They're Sam. And and we we made this art. We're like, hey, like we'll even do it for you. We'll we'll like as the Sam D was coming out, we thought that, like this is going to be really cool. Let's uh, you know, they could be friends. Um, so this is all part of a big story, and there's not really like a history of AVR freaks and like the at Melda microchip um, acquisition like that happened. Um, and so you know we have this. I thought that was cool. Yeah, with ultra fast thirty-two bit yeah. logic, she's four times faster and smarter than AVR. So man. we, yeah. So we proposed AVR. I didn't like that. Yeah, we proposed AVR woman at mill for years. AVR Sam Samantha with her ultra fast thirty-two bit logic, she's four times faster and smarter than AVR man's eight bit. Sorry, and uh, she was inspired by Anne Easley, um, computer science mathematician and rocket scientist. There's another parallel universe where this happened. Anyways. So uh, let's do some new products. Okay. New, 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 It's new product time. Okay. Let's kick it off. Okay. We've got, I had a wheel of these and I was like, oh, I'm not using them, but we should sell them. These are the Espressive ESP32 S2 Warooms. They look a lot like the Warovers that we have in stock. You're like, what's the difference? The War Rooms cost less and do not have PS RAM. They do have four megabytes of flash. There's no PS RAM. They have the you know 300-ish, you know, uh, K of SRAM. Uh, so they work fine in Arduino. You know, not doesn't work so great in Circuit Python because you don't have enough RAM. But uh, if you know you're using um, the ESP32 S2 in Arduino, these are pin compatible with the War Rover and they cost less. All right, next up. Okay, next up, we've got a fab new product, the ISO 1540. I know it says X because, like, I wasn't sure exactly which pin I was, chip I was going to use, but we went with the 1540. What is this, this weird beast? So this is a isolator. Um, you can sort of see a dashed line go through the middle of the board there, kind of from the top uh, left to the bottom right. So the two sides of this board, the power, ground, uh, clock, and data, are electrically isolated. Um, what that means is that uh, if you have circuitry where you have an I2C controller on one side and a peripheral on the other side and you don't want them to have any electrical connectivity, like there's no conductivity between the two, you would use one of these and um, it uses, you have to power both sides, right? That's the one trick is both sides need to be powered separately because they have different separated power supplies. Then the clock and the data line can pass data back and forth at one megahertz just fine. It's designed for I2C, although in theory, I guess you could use something else with it. Um, but it's really great for I2C when you want to have electrically isolated, uh, you know, uh, I2C controllers. And it's bi-directional. So it's called like multi-master and I2C. But the important part is you don't have to worry about which side is which um, because data passes through for SDA and SCL both ways for both of them. So you got to keep them separated. Use the ISO 1540 breakout. All right, next up, this is going to be pretty popular, especially once we start releasing more of our CAN bus stuff. This is a CAN bus to OBD adapter, which I keep saying ODB because uh, who doesn't love old dirty bastard? But it's OBD, uh, OBD2, technically. So in your car, uh, you may not know this, but there's a little port you can plug into and you can download your like statistics and your um, sensor outputs 
and like the details about your car. And when you go into, you know, when you have like a check engine light type thing and you go in to the mechanic and they like plug in a thingy into your car and they download and tell you what's up with your car, like your, like, I don't know, your oxygen sensors is dirty or something. <clears throat> uh, they'll use something like this. So this cable, I do want to clarify that this is uh, not a converter electrically. Like it doesn't, even though it's a serial port looking thing on the end, you don't plug that into your computer serial port. This is like a, like a mechanical converter. So it converts the plug on the right, which is like this weird, large, chunky D shape to uh, a DE9 on the left. Um, and this is a, because OBD is CAN bus compatible, you can often use CAN bus shields or feathers or whatever, um, you know, Raspberry Pi hats to connect to and read data from OBD. But, you know, it's, you need the right port and the port that's on the CAN board is usually uh, the one on the left, this one, and the one that goes into your car is this one. So that makes sense. It's just, it's just a cable adapter. But if you have something with CAN bus um, that has a DE9, chances are you can just plug this in, plug this into your car, and you can start reading uh, debug data from your automobile, which is super cool. Great for car hackers or analyzers. It's just people who are like, hey, I've got this like computer with wheels. What's going on with it? Um, so uh, check it out. We do have the pinout in the product page. Uh, it uses what I consider the standard can pinout, but I know that there's two apparently. So just make sure yours is the right one. Okay. Okay. Um, actually, we well, let's do kind of a question on this oh, one. Yeah? Will you be able to like uh, do things with CircuitPython with this? Well, we have a, a can IO library in CircuitPython. Um, we don't have like the decoding. Like you have to decode the messages to know what they mean. You will definitely be able to read the messages, but what they actually mean uh, there's no library we have in CircuitPython, though. Although there's probably one in Python that if someone's interested uh, for, they can um, port it over to CircuitPython. It's, it's likely going to happen. It's just we don't have that right now. Mm. Okay, next up. Okay, next up. Uh, well, this is not a new cable, but we just have like a, now a, a, a combo page. Uh, so I know that people have been like, like, how come I can't get STEMIQT cables? Believe me, we're buying tens of thousands of these, and they, like, evaporate uh, extremely quickly. We're, we're trying to get more and more, but the more and more we order, the more and more they sell out. Uh, we'll solve this eventually. Um, you know, I can't get a Raspberry Pi Pico right now or a PS5 either. Um, but when you go to a page for the um, QT cables, the STEMIQT cables, you'll see which ones are in stock. So it'll be a little easier to, to you know, pick a slightly different size if necessary. Okay. Same thing. And then uh, last up to start the show, besides you, Lady, our community, our customers, and everyone hanging out in the chats, is... This is the AW9523. We actually sell this on Reddit. You know, Reddit's good for some things, not just buying stonks, um, but also getting some chip recommendations. So uh, this is the AW9523. So we're going to just look at this one uh, picture for a bit because i got to explain what's going on here. So this is an I squared C expander. What that means is you send I squared C commands in on, oh yeah, on the left or the right uh, using the STEM QT connectors or the breakout at the bottom and you can control 16 different IOs. Now you're not going to control them as fast as if they were on the chip you know the microcontroller you're using but maybe you've got something like a like a cutie pie and you want to control 16 LEDs. If it doesn't have 16 pins on it how would you do that? You could use this expander. Um, so this expander has 16 inputs and outputs. So each of these, you know, things labeled 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 15 can be either an input or an output or, and this is kind of weird, it can be a constant current 
LED sink, which is unusual. Um, most expanders don't have that capability to do constant current with dimming. So if you are, you know, you can use this for buttons, you can use this for, you know, whatever you want to do expanding, uh, expansion to. But if you're using with the LEDs, it's, it's particularly good because um, you can dim the LEDs eight bits and there's no PWM, so you don't get no flicker. It's a constant current, like perfectly smooth, linear um, dimming. And second, you don't need a resistor because it's constant current. And that's why you see like there's the V-in pads along the IO. You can just connect your LED from the V-in to the GPIO pad and like Bob's your uncle, you can dim the LED, no resistor required. Um, so I think it's really great for LEDs. That said, it also can be used as an input or for any other thing that needs uh, IO expansion. Just note that it's not PWM, it's a constant current sync output. And let me, uh, maybe I'll even grab my cable here and I'll plug in my demo. So let's go to the overhead and do my live demo. Hopefully it'll work out. Okay, so here I've got uh, everyone's favorite. It's the uh, Cutie Pie. So again, if you want to drive 16 LEDs, you can't. It doesn't have 16 pins, but it does have this demo key connector. And then over here, um, and this is kind of neat, I just took an RGB LED and uh, I'll unplug this so you can see. I connected uh, the power pin of the LED, the anode, to VN and the R, G, and B to uh, three different GPIOs. This lock so it's super clear. Um, and then again, no resistors required. And then uh, let me plug this in. Oh wow, and it just like magically started working again, um, which is impressive. Uh, it, and then it drives them with constant current. And then you've got this, you know, beautiful RGB light. And what's cool is if I shake it, there's no jitter. Like you don't see when you normally use PWM, you'll see the LED turning on and off, especially when you wave it. You're not going to get that because it's constant current. Um, there's only one thing that is a little annoying about this uh, expander is it doesn't have the ability to do built-in pull-ups or pull-downs. So if you use it as an input, you're going to have to add an external pull-up or pull-down. That's the only thing though. And again, for LEDs, uh, you don't need those and uh, it's totally worth it. I think it's, it'll be great for driving a large number of LEDs. With the address uh, jumpers as well, you can connect up to four of them on one bus. Okay, and with that is New Parks for the Week. All right. Well, now um, we're going to do is we're going to show some top secret videos, and then on the other oh, side. Oh, you know, I have a top secret that you don't even know about. I don't. There's yeah. a lot of things I don't know. Okay. There's more things I don't know than I know. Yeah. Um, Maybe you know you don't know. So I'm going to play two videos, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll then do some questions. But okay. Let's, uh, no, they're, they're not exactly top secrets. They're things that we were filming um, that just aren't out yet, so I'm going to play them. Hey, Lady Ada, what is this? Hey, I'm showing off how I'm testing this high-power buck converter. This is a 5 to 3-volt buck converter that can do, like, 2 amp plus. And you're probably wondering, well, how do you know that it actually works at 2 amps? Well, I've got this whole testing rig to test it with, so let's look at everything. Over here, I've got a power supply, and this is what's supplying the 5 volts, and I can see the current going in. So this is my uh, voltage source. And then over here, I've got a programmable load. And this is really cool because I can actually dial in how much current, and this is in amps, I want to draw. And then I can like programmatically change the load. And then on my oscilloscope, you can see here, as I turn up the current, you see the voltage starts to drop until it reaches 
about two and a half amps and it totally plummets. So now I know it can go up to 2.8 amps. Kelly Dana, what is this? Hey, I'm testing out this kind of cool, like diffused, like milky white NeoPixel strip. I think it has a cool pastel look to it. I'm always interested in new ways that companies are making NeoPixel strips. So this one's kind of nice and you see when I, uh, I depower it, it's like a milky white color. So this will be coming to the Adafruit shop soon. Really interesting LED strip. Okay, and you have a top secret I that I haven't seen, so let's uh, check it out. Whew. All right, first up, we've got a sample of this Raspberry Pi Pico pin reference card that we'll uh, be having in the store. Maybe we'll include it as part of a pack or something. Very handy. Phil B made this beautiful art of all the pins and their functionalities with a, uh, a nice uh, legend up here. Nice work. And on the back, a Circuit Python quick start. So, um, how to install CircuitPython, some tips on usage, and then, you know, the basic uh, blink and print hello world demo uh, to get people started just because it's like, once you got this, you can pretty much uh, take it from here. So that's the first, it's not out yet, don't ask. Although, you know, honestly, um, this is the same image that's on the product page. So just go to the product page for the Pico and you can download this and print it yourself. And next up, ooh, what could it be? What do you think it is? Well, it looks like a cutie pie. Yeah. But it's a special kind of cutie pie. It's a cutie pie 2040. Yeah. With a Raspberry Pi RP2040 on the bottom, crystal, uh, flash memory, um, and uh, all the capacitors you need, and all the. There's two buttons on the top there's a boot button and a reset button, and a little NeoPixel. Um, people love that. Uh, USB-C, um, Stemma QT connector, and here's a, a bonus. The Stemma QT I2C port is not the same one as this one, so you actually get two extra pins. So you can have like twice as many I2C devices. Um, you can use the breadboard I2C, or you can use the Stemma QT. So you get like a total of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 13 GPIO. Okay. Very cute. And with that is uh, top secret for this week. All right, we're going to do questions. We do that over on Discord. <coughs> Adafruit.it slash Discord or Discord.gg slash Adafruit. Join us all over there, and uh, let's do some questions. So the first question yeah. that I got earlier that I already answered was, if someone makes a product and they include a cutie pie, do they have to pay Adafruit or anything? No. Um, to expand upon that, there was someone who let us know that uh, they like our... Our, one of our breakout boards, but we had made some revisions. So what they did is they downloaded the board files from a previous revision and sent them out and got to use them. Hey. And they thought that was really cool. That's exactly what it's all about. Yeah. All so, of our PCBs are on GitHub. Download, make, people do them all the time. Yeah. In fact, whenever like Osh Park ever like takes photos of panels, it's like, I'm like, hey, half of those designs are like <laughs> based off of or yeah. just like designs that we've made and that's good one thing that we're not going to do though is um we don't certify osh open source hardware oshwa certification eight different revisions so like if we're at whatever revision we're on now when we certify that's the one we do yeah. we don't go back in time and certify all the previous yeah like we just we did eight. like 30 different sensor boards to make them stem qt compatible i'm yeah. not going to recertify them they're the files are up and they're yeah the files are up source. they're still open source but that would just 
I'm not going to like register them again. Yeah, that that would be unfair, I think, because it's um, it would just flood it would just flood the certification process. Like whatever yeah. we we certify when we go to certify, we say this is now OSHA certified covers anyone going forward, and of course it's open source before that. This is yeah. just the certification at that point in time. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Um, question: Can you write the AW nine five two three? And control a bank of LEDs or read a bank of switches all at once? If so, is there demo code? Yeah, you can. Um, I, th I think we, you know, to make it easier, code basically only lets you control one at a time. But you can read um, eight, or you can read like 16 in one go. Um, but we usually read just eight at a time, uh, one for each bank. There's like the A bank and the B bank. Um, but yeah, you can you can read them in one instruction. Okay. Um, and then you might need to look at this. Okay. Uh, the CST026 chip on the cap touch breakout, what is this? Oh, it's a um, FT, it's like a focal touch, something, something like 26. So the focal touch chip that was used on it got discontinued. And there's this company that's like, well, we make a dropping replacement. So we're like, well, it's better than nothing. So that's what it is. But I don't remember. It's like the 6206. It should be equivalent. Okay, how much current can this demo? GPIO expander sync, that LED driving looks pretty cool. I think the max is like 40 milliamps. Like, check the data sheet, because it's definitely like not every pin is the same. I think like bank A can do 40, and the other can do 30. Um, but it's like, you know, you definitely can drive two LEDs, because I remember thinking like, oh, I want to drive a backlight with this. Um, I'll answer this one. When will the RP2040 QDPI come out? Completely out of our control. We when just I have, get chips. We just have to wait done. for chips. I, 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 I put don't this together any, today. Yeah, we don't have any insights. We had a few number of sample chips so we can get boards going. Yeah. We have all the PCBs. This is my second to last chip. the chips show up. Um, but, it, you know, the thing is, like, the amount of instantaneous um, notification, like, when all of the people who make boards and people who don't even make boards or are starting to make boards are going to get their RP2040s, you'll see it everywhere on yeah. Twitter and be like, yeah, <laughs> here it'll it is. It'll be annoying. So many. Okay. Um, how easy do you think it would be to hack the MagTag to turn off Stemma Power while sleeping? Um, you know, you could do it, but you would basically just cut. You you know, you could use one. What could you do? You would cut the jumper from that. There's like a little jumper that selects what voltage on the Stemma, and then you'd solder the middle pad to the power pad of the NeoPixels because the NeoPixels is, is the controlled, like there's one transistor that controls like the NeoPixels um, as well as I think some of the sensors and the ink or something. And so you you open up the schematic and find that power pin and then connect it to the middle pin and cut the trace and then it should just work, I think. Uh, that's right. Uh, we don't know when the stemma, sorry, the... Um Feather RP2040 will be out because we need chips. No control over it. Same chips are needed. The most important part I don't have. And then Stemma Friend, we're still working on it to some released yet. Yeah. It has... Um, I got distracted. Just like Pico stuff. I don't it know if you... has some more software. Yeah, I got it. It's a software-y thing, so it takes longer than hardware, believe it or not. Yeah, software takes longer than hardware. that's true. Okay, let's uh, see if there's any other questions. I think we got all of them. Someone wanted to roll back their odometer with that ODB cable. You can't. Doesn't work that way. But you know. Don't you wish? Uh, cool. It's good for reading. You know, reading stats. 
is Adafruit hiring? Just asking out of curiosity. Um, no. Um, is the sort of answer. I mean, like, we're not actively... We don't have any active open roles yeah. right now, but um, that's not kind of how you run a company anyways. Like, if there was someone who was doing things in our industry that um, was doing really cool work or... A lot of times people are making their own products and want us in the stock, wanting us to stock it. Um, so it's there's no like hiring freeze. There's nothing like that. But we just don't have any open roles that we're currently looking for. But we but we usually don't operate that way anyways. Um, yeah, and look, if people in the community, if they're engineering and they're doing products and projects, we'll contact them to carry the product. Um, you know, there's people who do projects and they say, you know, I finished this this project and I would like to make a learn guide out of it. Um, you know, let us know and we'll, we can chat with you about that. So that's, that's the kind of stuff that we usually start out with the community. Come by show and tell. That's like a great place to start. You know, like we get to know people from show and tell, um, and then we do projects with them. All right. Is there something that would stop an SHT 30 sensor from working with a Hazard 32 breakout? I've got one. I'm having trouble. No, I mean, make sure you have pull-ups, but it should just work. I think the SHT 30 is a pretty, pretty normal I2C sensor. Okay, and I think we are, when will the six, uh, 1162 feather be out? What's, what would be the 1162? I have no idea oh. what that is. Is there something we don't know about? Yeah. <laughs> is, there, is that somebody else? Maybe somebody else's feather. I don't have an 1162. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right, I think that is going to be the questions okay. for tonight. Um, that's it, everybody. Thanks Bye, so much. Thanks, everybody. Um, that's our show for this week. We will see everybody next week, um, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Ask an engineer. Show and tell, 7:30. Um, we got some. Uh, we got JP's workshop tomorrow. We've got uh, Friday. We've got Scott's deep dive. So you're entertained. Sunday we'll have desk of Lady Ada, and then kicking off next week. Of course, I will answer one last question. Because it just came in. Will Adafruit ever send some cool electronics to space? Already we did. Already did. Already did. So yeah. Circuit Python is in space <laughs> with the PyCube um, satellite project. Yeah. And um, we if, even saw, and saw it. She yeah. took a photo of it. So not only did it send stuff to space, but she saw it go to space. Yeah. And um, like a rocket. The way it works is, you know, you can't say, well, this company bought something from us, and we know it's in space or used for things. But what I can say is. All of the companies that put stuff in space buy things from Adafruit. So, not mention any names, but. No, it's, well, it's easy. It's just all. Yeah, you so know. If, if there is a company that's doing stuff, or even a government organization, um, they are customers and there's Adafruit stuff that's in space right. for sure. Okay, anyways. Um, Thanks, everybody. That's it. We'll see everybody next week. Thanks to Car, who's running stuff Thank you, in the uh, behind the scenes. Thank you to our community. Slack channel. Thank you to all the people who wrote guys, people who try our yep. stuff, people who are writing projects with the Pico. Thank you so much, everybody. And of course, folks helping each other out in Discord. Yeah. What a great community. And, when, and remember, when you see someone do a cool project that has something to do with Lego, say, cool project. Don't be a Lego enforcer. <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's, the, that's the closing thought. Or may you be cursed by stepping on Legos. All right. That is... Uh, that's your closing thought for your moment of Zener.